Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Am I supposed to start at this one or you start uh, at Whatever, Jeff. No, we never uh, did know, really we, decide, we, did we? Yeah, we can. Okay, just, this is the Fields Brothers Show yeah. podcast. Anyone yeah. needs to know. Yeah, I'm Roger. <laughs> I'm Jeff. Jeff, we're uh, recovering pastors with no history of um, scandal. And uh, we're not the field, we're not the uh, Doobie Brothers. We are the Marks. Fields we Brothers. We are the Fields Brothers. Not the Doobie Brothers, Marks Brothers, or the Warner Brothers, but the Fields Brothers. And we're broadcasting this from um, Central Kentucky. And, uh, you know, Jeff, we may not agree on some stuff, and we certainly don't agree on golf. I think it's the most boring practice in the entire planet. So I wasn't even going to bring up golf in this but, podcast. But You're the one thing, that brings it up. Well, one thing we I think we can agree on, we both, I guess, like Gatlinburg tennis. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, I go once or twice a year. We yeah, go down there. We never go together. You know, you go or I go. But we were down there last week, and uh, you know, I guess it's just my people down there. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you what, I got three words for Gatlin: Crockett's Breakfast okay. Camp. Okay, holy I, moly! I, I, I was so impressed. I need to ask you a question about that. I almost asked the question on your Facebook post, but I, right. I decided not to. Okay. So I thought, well, we'll just do it. Yeah. Before the whole world now on All this right, podcast. Go ahead. That uh, the pancake. I mean, they have. Yeah. I know that uh, they call them. They don't call them pancakes. They call them something else. But it's like know, it's, it's like it. an inch and a half thick. Yeah, it's like a pancake. Two by four. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the, the pancake with syrup. Does that fit in your no sugar? Let diet me tell you or? something. I, I I totally went off the wagon. <laughs> oh no! First time in months and months, and I'm back on now. Just for Gall- those two days. Will do two it days. To you. Yeah, I know. I didn't make that decision. I thought, okay. I'm here. I don't care for two days. I don't care. Okay. And so no, yeah, I was. I did have sugar when I was at. Um, yeah, we've so eaten there. We we. I'm all sugar. So, we eaten breakfast but, there one time. Yeah. I I was just real impressed with all the. I mean, I, I love. It's it. beautiful inside. I mean, the yeah, decor in there. Yeah. And, and oh, the, uh, believe me, I I was getting some yeah. ideas. I took pictures for yeah. the wedding farm. Yeah, there's yeah. some great decor stuff. Yeah, we love the Smokies and all that. We so. And also, I know that you know it, it's been no secret that I've also made fun of your cushy life there at the at the bank. You know, and your financial services industry downtown on the ground floor but you know well, i mean it is lexington it's not like it's manhattan or chicago well, i mean lexington kentucky it's, is it's not just, it, that big of a city but, so you know it's still it's, how many stories is your building what is it like 10, 22 22 stories. second I mean, tallest building in lexington okay, so, so you're, in a, you're in a fairly good and I'm, on the, I'm on the first floor yeah you so. had a ground floor office and you get to walk across the hall to get your hair cut. I didn't know that. Yeah, we you have a barber in our building. In your bu- yeah. You have a barber in your building. The other joke about being I, on the first floor that I tell clients is, since I do work in the financial services industry, I think they put us on the first floor, so if we ever things got too bad, we wouldn't be tempted to tempted to jump out the window. Oh, okay. So, that. so we're on the first floor, but can't open the windows anyway. But, yeah, I just walk across, so if I need to get a haircut, I leave my desk at about... If I have, say, a I mean, 3 o'clock appointment, I leave my desk at 2.59, and boom, I'm there And you're early. out at probably, what, 3.05? I mean, I can't say anything. 20 like minutes. Me, but it, 20, it just can't well, take too long. 20 minutes. Well, yeah. sometimes the shorter takes longer, you know, but anyway. Okay. But, yeah, that's, you know, as I mentioned, yeah, they're going to move our office here in a couple months. Uh, we thought we might have been moved by now, but it's going to be another couple yeah. months. But that's one of my big dilemmas to whether right. or not i got to drive downtown now to get my hair cut. But that's not what we're here to talk about. But anyway. All right. I got else? a big topic, Jeff. Okay. <clears throat> okay. And it, I think it's a more complex topic than some of we get credit for. And I don't know that I'm going to even resolve some things. But I do have a theory that I'm going to bounce off of you. Okay. And if I'm right about this, it's a little bit of a game changer, I think. You ran some past me. Or you, you mentioned a general topic to me the other yeah. day. Is it that? Gen- yeah. The general that? topic okay. is... And I was asked about this. So what do we believe about spiritual warfare? Okay. Well, I've always kind of brushed it off a little bit because, well, Satan's defeated and you know thing. But that's not a great answer. I've kind no, of had to backpedal to that. Well, let me let me tell you what I think is a given, okay? 
And then what I think is clear in Scripture, you know, it's not because I think it is important we kind of come to terms with what, what is the challenge with regard to our adversary. We do have an mm-hmm. adversary, okay? Let me say that I think a lot of the bad things that happen in this world are not necessarily directly attributed to the devil. We do live in a fallen world. Right. We do have, there is sin. There are people who do things wrong. All okay? creation groans. All creation groans. So I don't attribute every bad thing to the devil. But here's, here's what I think in Scripture we know about the devil, and then what I think is gets a little murky, and I'll tell you kind of the conclusion I'm coming to. But number one, obviously Satan is not God. I mean, he is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He is not right. omniscient. We even see him in Job roaming around the earth and discovers Job. Okay? And it's so not that, the old illustration yeah. that Satan cast a vote against you, God cast a vote for you, and yeah. it's up to you to cast the deciding yeah, yeah. as if they were equal yeah, opposites. Right, yeah. right. They're not. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it best, Satan would just be a nasty, vulgar angel. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, a, he's an angel. Fallen angel. Fallen angel. Okay. Now, and I think that, and I love the scripture in um, Isaiah 14. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you read like verses 12 through 17. Then when you get down to verse 16, it says, and it's pretty clear it's talking about Satan because it talks about him falling out of heaven. He's cut down and all that. But he says, those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you and say, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook nations? Okay. But just say after that, he made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities when lightness prisoners go. So they're going to say, this is him, really? And there's even another scripture in Isaiah that talks about that. So there's, there's part of, say, that we, we know he's, he's way overblown, okay? Mm-hmm. I think we say that. Now, and we also know that his main activity would probably be lying. Yeah, the father of lies, he's the father Jesus. Of lies. John Jesus 8, says yeah. that John, in John 8, verse 44, Jesus says he's the father of lies. All, he, you know, he, he, that's all he knows how to do is lie. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he does in the Garden of Eden. He talks to Eve. Mm-hmm. He said, God's not going God just doesn't want you to be like him, and you'll not surely die. And so he's, he's good at that. Now, there are scriptures that talk about Satan being defeated. Like, for instance, now here's, here's where it gets murky, okay? So you have scripture like in Mark 3, Jesus casts out demons, and he says, well, he's, he, the reason he could plunder his goods because he first bound up the strong man. Yeah. You know, that's what they say. Well, maybe you're doing this with the power of Satan. He goes, you know, that makes no sense. I mean, why would Satan cast out Satan? House divided against itself yeah. cannot stand. Right. Whatever. So okay. Right, so Jesus makes that point. And then one time he sends the 72 out, and they come back. They're just excited because they say, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, we don't know exactly what he's referring to then. I don't think we had none. It's either he just saw it when he got a vision when he got kicked out originally, or he's somehow being defeated at that moment. I don't know. But Jesus did say, I've given you authority over you know serpents, serpents and scorpions, all, over all the power of the enemy. Then he'll hurt Jesus, but don't rejoice over this. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So Jesus even puts that in context. Or, you know, this mm-hmm. is not all about that. And then the verse in Colossians 2 he talked about, uh, it says he is disarmed. Now here's where it gets, and I'm going to come back to this verse. He's disarmed rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, he's dis, he disarmed the devil. Okay. That's where it gets a little confusing because on the other hand, then okay, if you, if you believe that, which I have gone that way, and I've kind of backpedaled a little bit. In Acts 19, this is after the cross. You have the the seven sons of Sceva that went in and tried to throw out a, de- a demon out of a man who was possessed, and the demon says, "We don't know who you are. We know Jesus. We know Paul." But that's say, almost comical. That part, comical. yeah. And they beat Paul, the daylights out of these guys. Yeah, uh, but who are you? Yeah. yeah, we don't know who you are. And obviously, they did not have a firsthand faith or relationship with the Lord. They mm-hmm. just thought, "Well, Paul did it. We can do it." You know. But the fact of the matter is, this man with a demon put a whooping on these seven brothers. Okay. So, all right. 
So then you've got 1 Peter 5 where it says, Be sober-minded, your adversary, so you do have an adversary, Mm -hmm. prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This will resist him and he will flee from you. Now, I'll just go ahead and comment on that verse. Now, on the one hand, he's a roaring lion, which some people have said, well, roaring lions don't. When they're going to eat you, they don't roar. They roar if they yeah. have all and have arthritis. But here's the here's I've the thing. heard that. I don't really don't I know those two. But here's not. what I do know from the scripture: if you resist, he flees from you. I'm thinking, what kind of wimpy lion is this? You yeah. know, there's no lion I know of. That if you just <laughs> resist it, I mean, you can see an antelope. Well, I resist this, and the lion just flees away. Yeah. So, so one thing we know: this lion isn't all that tough if he runs away when you resist. Okay, but then you've got. Um, Ephesians 6, where it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the schemes of the devil. That was there one of the verses. Okay. Verses that came to my mind right. when you bring up the subject. Now, how about this, Jeff? Here's my theological question for you uh, uh, for the podcast. Ephesians 6 16, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of of the evil one. Mm-hmm. Now, pray tell, if he's been disarmed, according to Colossians 2 15, where is he getting the flaming arrows? Well, they're lies. Well, okay, but he's, he's armed with lies then. He's armed with something. Yeah. The, the imagery here is you're being shot at with an arrow. Okay, well. Okay, that's okay. I've got something in mind. We'll go ahead. I'll, I'll right. to bring that well, together. I have another but, theory. Okay. I'm going to lay on you, okay? Um, but then it says fight the good fight of faith. So there, it's a fight of faith, but there is, mm. a, there is a fight to this. Yeah. I mean, there is a time when you got to, Make a decision about what you believe. Yeah, and Paul and Timothy he even uses a soldier as one of the analogies. To, yeah, yeah. That. All like right. like so a soldier. A, okay. So now, all right, so say, so all right, fight the good fight. All right, now, here's what I'm getting to. Two scriptures I think are pretty key to this. Somebody asked me, do you do spiritual warfare? I said, well, I don't because um, I am... Um, I believe Satan is defeated. Well, I would not answer it that way now. I would say this. I would say, yes, I do spiritual warfare, but not against the devil. Now, here's, I think, a definitive scripture about this in Colossians, uh, or Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. He says, for our weapons of our warfare, so we have a warfare, Mm -hmm. okay, are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God or knowing God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ and ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now, there's different interpretations of what that exactly means. But I think it's very clear in this scripture that the warfare is, a, is against bad ideas. They're arguments. Yeah. They're lofty opinions. They're ideas that I believe are counter to the gospel. Okay? Okay, that would be... Pretty consistent with what I was going to, okay. something I'm going to mention now. Here. Okay, but I'm now getting ready to drop the big one on you. Right <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. That's, I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Words warfare, we bring down strongholds, their arguments, their lofty opinions. In other words, there is a war against things that are counter to the God. I would, I would argue that a lot of what we do on this podcast is spiritual warfare. Yeah, I okay? can see that. It is warfare against mixed grace. Yeah. Okay, I would say, for instance, we declare war against mixed grace theology. And by mixed grace, in case someone doesn't, yeah. I mean, we're familiar with that term. So yeah, go quickly, ahead. well, no. okay, mixed grace is when we combine the old covenant and the new covenant, combine law and grace. And rather than seeing grace as replacing law and the new covenant replacing the old covenant, we mix them both. And right. it ends up with the power of neither one. It's the hot and cold. It's the lukewarm right. of, of, of both there. All right. So Okay, now let's go back to Colossians 2. 
Okay, mm-hmm. verse fifteen. He disarmed rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them, talking in the cross. How did the cross do that? In other words, how did the cross? Now I can see if he said the resurrection, because obviously the resurrection proved that Jesus was not dead; he was now alive. The cross didn't, could not, death could not hold Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, but how did the cross? Put Satan to open shame. How did everybody look at the cross and goes, "Wow, I guess Satan really." You know. I know, I know. Oh, wait, go Pick ahead. Me. I'm Pick not, me. All right, go ahead. He's the accuser of the brethren. Well, that ver- in Colossians, okay. the very first, the verse before that. This is where I was going to go. You mentioned verse 15, having disarmed. I mean, the very first right, before right. that is having wiped okay. out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, right. and he took it away, having nailed it to the cross. So. If Satan is the accuser of the brethren, he says in Revelation, called that. Then right. he can he and and but Jesus took all of our sin away and nailed that obligation to the cross. He has nothing with which to accuse us. So that in that way he's disarmed. But now he will lie okay. to us and try to make us feel guilty and shameful. I, I agree. So with that's all kind that. of I agree with where all I'm going that. though. Okay, here's what I'm getting at. I'm not convinced when he says he disarmed rulers and authorities that that's talking about Satan and his demons. Okay, I believe that a lot of that are just powerful, kind of what people perceive to be authoritative ideas of, of whatever that comes that's contrary to God, whether it's um, mixed grace, whether it's legalism, whether it's shame, whether it's... Um, it could be both, you know, though. Okay. I mean, well, I don't think... I, I think mean, that could be the form of... I think we've made too much of... Satan's kingdom, like he's got this big hierarchy. I've read so much stuff about you. He's yeah. got a hierarchy of the, demons the and junior demons. And yeah, and he's got, you know. And so principalities and powers know. may not be talking about a demonic kingdom. Now, I'm not saying, I, I believe there are demons. But, you know, even demons in in Acts and in the Gospels were pretty wimpy. I mean, they confronted, they boogied out, except for the sons of Sceva that didn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, demon, it, there was no battle ever. I mean, they got, they left, that was it. And so when I read this as disarmed rulers and authorities, I'm not, I, I, I do believe that um, Satan's been disarmed in this regard that he has nothing to hold against believers. The mm-hmm. price has been paid. We're under grace. Um, we are new creation. We've been given righteousness. We've been totally forgiven in that sense. But Satan still wreaks havoc in the world. Mm hmm. Now, I would say that again, he does do it by lies, but I would just say that the lies and deception that Satan does is, is, does have some power to it, even though it's the power of a lie, and that that's what we do spiritual warfare against. So do I do spiritual warfare? Yeah, but it's not necessarily directly against the devil. It's against the lies and the... You know the knowledge of God. What does it say? The the opinions or lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God arguments, mm-hmm. and that's what I think we war against. We battle against. So to me, it, there's just a shift. The shift is not okay. You know, at one time I think in my life there was a shift of you know I had to battle the devil all the time, and then there was well no the devil's defeated so I don't even have to ever think about the devil. Well, you do have to think about the fact that he, he's always wanting to believe something or to to adopt some position or some belief that is destructive. Um, it talks about in Ephesians, we give no place to the devil. You know, mm-hmm. he will, 
wreaks him out if you give him a place. And I think a place it's is believing the lies. You believing the lies, or in that sense, I think too. I think if I think you give the devil some level of a little open door if you mistreat people. I think that's kind of the context in, in Ephesians where it talks about that. Um, so I don't know if any of this makes sense, or not, but I, I guess my one thing is I'm just not convinced that the Bible teaches this complex hierarchy of demonic authority or this demonic structure that a lot of us have been led to believe. You know? Yeah, I don't know where that, I mean, that I heard that early on, that the Ephesians 6, we, for we wrestle yeah, not against right. flesh, but against principalities right, and power, right. and that, that well, describes ranks of demonic okay, angels. Okay. I don't know. Well, okay, um, but, but this, see, this makes sense too. Let's, say, let's assume for a minute that in Ephesians 6, the principalities and powers means you know, mixed grace. It means um, it means opinions that would say you're still under condemnation. You're not mm-hmm. forgiven. To say that's what it means. Well, the armor of God kind of makes sense. Then I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I've been made whole. You know, that's, that's yeah, the armor of Christ means. is essentially, or armor of God on, is essentially Christ. Yeah, I put on the breastplate of right. I've been made righteous. I have faith. I trust God. Yeah. The gospel of um, peace. The gospel of peace. Christ of is our shoes. peace. Yeah, he's yeah. Our, he is my peace. Helmet of salvation. I'm, so, I'm helping you yeah, in case yeah. you don't well, remember. I said, that. I said that one already. You missed okay. that one. All right. Okay. That we're made, we've been made whole. Salvation. Okay. Okay. And so I think that, yes, the armor is just applying the gospel. Yeah. But if you don't apply the gospel, if you just kind of believe it intellectually, but you don't apply it to yourself, I do think you're left vulnerable. Yeah. You know, we miss out on the, the yeah. resources that are ours. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. I mean, I, Romans six was on my mind. You know, know ye not. You know, a lot of times it's interesting how many times Paul uses that. Don't you know or know ye mm-hmm. not? And so I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. Yeah. Of who, of who we are in Christ and. And the resource. So anyway, I guess well, I would say my, my bottom line in all this is uh, I do spiritual warfare. I've declared war against legalism and mixed grace faith, mixed grace yeah. doctrine. And that would fit with kind of what's in my mind that I think the primary way Satan works, if not the only way, is through false religion, which is yeah. which is that. And that's what they fight the good fight of faith. And the the other, I don't think you read this. You 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 quoted Saint uh, Corinthians. And real quick on that too, that I do think on the bringing every thought into the captivity to the to the obedience of Christ. You know, we, I think that's referring to Christ obedience. I think it can be read that way, and I think it's so we you know we bring every thought consistent with how Christ obeyed. His obedience. So it's not, I don't think it's, you know, it's okay, every single thought I have has to be that I am obeying Christ by what I'm thinking. No, I'm bringing my thinking in line with who he is and his obedience. So the focus is his obedience, not ours in that regard. But anyway, the next chapter, chapter 11, I don't think you mentioned this. It said for, um, for I am chapter 2, Saint Corinthians 11, 2, for I am jealous with you, godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste version of Christ. But I fear lest somehow... As the serpent deceived Eve, so mm-hmm. obviously as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds, a lot of this has to do with the mind. You know, yeah. we saw that earlier. Yeah. Your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Right. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, that would be mixed grace, mm-hmm. whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So he's... That's the deception. That's the lies. And so, and there's another place where it says, you know, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. And so I think he, you know, that's different than the flesh. You know, just the, the temptations of the flesh are different than that. Yeah. And then I've heard the thing, and I think it makes sense, the three enemies yeah. to the believers. The flesh and the devil. Satan, the yeah. flesh, and, the, and those three are mentioned in First John. They're also mentioned, though, you know, those were the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, you know, parallel yeah. with that. Yeah. So, 
Well, anyway, I think we're right. I, I think that, and I'm, I think like you, you know, if you're in a situation where it's in a church service, you're hearing a teacher or somebody talk or whatever, and they say something with regards to how, you know, what we have to do to either earn, deserve, or work out or whatever, our relationship with God, our salvation, I mean, your antenna goes up. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like I'm ready. It's like I'm ready for battle then, you know? I mean, th- this is what. You know, I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to 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 fight on your end time views. You know, if you if you believe the rapture's come before, or it, it, the, before the tribulation or the end, that's mid-trib, fine. That's post-trib, fine. I mean, have it. You know, I, I you know I'm not ready. That doesn't. Yeah. I, I'm not ready to go to war on that. I'm not ready to die on that hill. Yeah. But if you're going to tell me that Jesus didn't pay the full price, is not completely paid, that there's something left for us to do, then I'm ready to die on that hill. Yeah. I mean, that's what a, warfare is. It's kind of a religious spirit, a, a yeah. religious thinking yeah. or mindset that comes through yeah. that. And that is the one thing that I'm passionate about. I'm not passionate about every single doctrine or everything that's, that's taught in the Bible. There's a lot of things that I I just don't know. But I believe I'm kind of clear on that one. And so, anyway, that's my thing. Yeah, I like that. Warfare, um, declare war on mixed grace. That's my thing. The I don't know if this fits into it. I mean, this will fit a little bit, but uh, you know, this goes back. We talked the other week about how bringing up one verse to to kind of combat, you know, grace and message or things like that, or whenever people depend on one single verse. And I thought recently there's, and because I've heard it mentioned lately, that when something really bad happens to a believer, some awful thing happens to a believer. What is one verse that is often mentioned? I don't know if I'm giving you enough hint to, to be able to figure all this out or not. Together for the good. Well, no, that, that, that that's true. That's another okay. one. But when someone loses something, you know, they've lost a, a loved one, they've lost their health, they've lost a job, and it's it is a horrible thing. And there's even a modern song that that's taken off on that. Well, remember what the Bible says: uh, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, yeah. and the Lord takes away. Yeah. Blessed be the name that's of the what Lord. Job said, yeah, right it's from the book right. of Job. But you compare that, and we've talked at other times about comparing all of Scripture through the lens of Jesus. So when someone, you know, loses someone through sickness, you know, in, in yeah. illness, you know, terminal illness, or loses their health, or loses it, well, you know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Can you ever imagine Jesus? Obviously, he he went to many sick well, people and healed them. Right. Can you imagine him going up to a healthy person and saying, "I'm sorry." I need to take your health away. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean. Oh, well, the whole idea that God gives sicknesses to teach you lessons goes flies completely in the face of what Jesus is all about. Nowhere does, I mean, if anybody deserved to have a sickness to teach you something, it would have probably been Peter. You know, he yeah. could have given Peter cancer. Well, Peter, I'm giving you this pancreatic cancer so that you can learn and not be so stupid. I'm going to take your health away. I'm going to take your eyesight away or whatever. And also, when Job said that, it was later on, God says not everything Job said was true. Yeah. So you got to see the context. You can never, you can never pull a verse out of. And Job said a bunch of other stuff that was clearly, yeah, clearly idiotic. You yeah. know, uh, accusing God and all that. But it's so, just interesting how we, uh, you know, got, and so that relates, I think, a little bit to what you were saying. That gets back into kind of a mis, wrong thinking about who God is and, um, His goodness and all that. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, I read the other day. I heard um, somewhere I said, you know, God is not your parole officer, and I mm-hmm. think we've mentioned this before. Right? But that is still a pretty good. That's pretty, you know, it's an accurate way to to see how a lot of people do see God. You know, He's maybe he saved me. Maybe I'm saved, but boy, you know, I'm kind of on parole. 
And if I break parole, then I'm out of here again. And then, you know, yeah, so it's common for a preacher to kind of come across that yeah, way, and the Holy yeah. Spirit's convicting you. Yeah. And then after we present God as a parole officer, yeah. we make people feel guilty because they're not keeping their quiet time and they're not yeah. spending enough yeah. time with God. Well, yeah. who wants to spend time with, with someone who's always yeah. looking down on yeah. you, who's always yeah. finding fault with yeah. you, who's always reminding you them right. that, you know. I you mean, know, we've almost set this thing up so that it's pretty much impossible for people to have a good, joyful, healthy relationship with God. I mean, yeah. And I think that's what's saying. No, there again, I think that goes back to warfare. We, you know, That's something to go to war about. Because if, if people have a belief system or we teach a belief system that just short circuits the possibility that somebody can have a, a healthy, loving relationship with God, that's a problem. So, and you know, and the, back to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. joy. In the Holy Spirit. And so if these things are taking away the peace and the joy, then something's off. Something's so. wrong somewhere. Next time, a little hint. we If all goes as planned, the next podcast, we may have a guest in the studio. studio audience. We may have a studio do we, do audience. We have have dress, a guest. Do we have to dress up for this? Uh, no, but we've only, there's only oh, been no, two maybe, other times know. where we've had a guest on this podcast. And so we may, we'll see how it goes, but the next one may have a uh, have a guest. Well, we would have so. a lot more of a studio audience if people could find us. We're just so tucked away. <laughs> they, they would clamor to get in here if they knew where we're at. But, uh, and we never have trouble coming up with enough stuff to talk about on our own. So uh, anyway, hopefully next time. <laughs>